Daniel chapter 3, verse 27, it says this. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them. It's, what it's talking about here is talk, they crowded around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. After they came out of the fiery furnace, they gathered around them. And it says, uh, they saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They did, did not even smell of smoke. They didn't even smell of smoke. And I'm, I've entitled this message, The Smell of Smoke. There are many things in life that a person uh, can discern simply by the sense of smell. For example, if, if someone is a smoker, then you know that uh, you, you can usually smell that. My grandparents, they were heavy, heavy smokers, and, and whenever I'd spend time down at their house, you could smell the smoke on me, and you could smell it on my clothing. Uh, you know, you, you can often tell, not all the time, but you can often tell if a house has a dog because... The dog has a certain smell, or, or it's even worse with cats. And if you're a cat lover, you have to forgive me. Jesus said you have to. Um, you know, you, listen, you can put, I, I, I can put a blindfold on you, and I can walk you into a, into a restaurant, and you'll be able to tell me if that is a Mexican restaurant, because you're going to smell it, and you're going to like, oh, this is Mexican in here, and you're going to get a hallelujah on, because I know most of you. You know, I, I mean, I, I, listen, I can... I can, I can tell, you can blindfold me and walk me into a, and before you're even, even inside, I'll know if we're at a barbecue joint that has a good smoker inside. You know what I'm talking about? Which there is no other kind. You can't put, say good without a smoker. But I, I digress. But, you know, you can smell things. You can, you can smell alcohol if somebody's been drinking. You know, if somebody walks up to me, stumps, should say stumbles up to me, and they say, I have an addiction. You know, I already know it because I can smell it. Uh, I'm going to say, let me guess, it's, it's alcohol because I know that because if I light a match right now, we're both going to be blown to smithereens, right? So you can tell things by smell. We're going to be talking about the smell of smoke. Let's pray together. Father, I, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today by your word and by your spirit. The word of, of God is a word of freedom. It's a word of liberation. It's not a word that brings captivity, but at your word, doors open and people are set free. And God, today we believe, we declare that there's going to be a day where you heal people from past hurts and you minister to many of us who have gone through so many things in our lives. And, and Lord, we're believing that this is going to happen. We pray that it would happen today in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You know, the story of Daniel is very interesting because Daniel was living in a, in a very corrupt society. He's living in a society of idolatry, major, major idolatry. In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's the guy in charge, and, and he thinks that he's a god, and he expects uh, other people to treat him as if he's a god. And so King Nebuchadnezzar builds a statue of himself to match his own ego. And the Bible says that it was around 100 feet tall. Now, uh, to give you an idea how big that is, this roof is, is probably what, 20, 25 feet at the most? Uh, so you, you're talking about a statue that's four or five times taller than this building that, that we're in right now. And so you begin to imagine that in your mind and you realize this is a massive structure. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar built this statue and he planned a celebration for the, uh, for the unveiling of his statue, of his idol. And when, when, when they heard, the people heard the music during this big celebration, everybody was supposed to bow down and they were supposed to worship at the feet of this statue, worship 
in the statue of his image. I mean, you talk about an ego. This guy had an ego. And they, they were supposed to fall on their faces and worship him. Well, as you know, everybody did bow down except for three young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow. They decided that they were going to ignore the king's edict and that they were not going to bow down to anyone else other than the God of Israel, the one true God. The king says, I'm going to throw you into fire, fiery furnace if you don't. And they end up saying to him, go ahead and do it. We're not going to bow. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you threaten us. We're not going to bow. Now, here's what you have to understand about that. When the, when the devil breathes threats and he tries to scare you, you have to stand up to him when he, when he comes at you. The devil says to you, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess your kids up. And you say, no, you're not. My kids are covered in the blood of Jesus. You're not going to do anything to my children. The devil says, I'm going to come at you and I'm going to break your spirit. And you say, no, God is with me and God's going to see me through anything that comes my way. In the name of Jesus, you're not going to do any such thing. You don't need to bow. You don't need to bend. You don't need to burn. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? So, so you make a decision in your life to stand when everybody else says do it this way and you stand up for God. So, so when the boss says that you have to cheat on the report to make things look better, when, you're, when your supervisor wants you to lie to cover his back, when your manager tells you to lie to make that big sale, you know, the world will look at you and tell you that you need to do that, that you need to do it for the sake of your family. It's gonna be, it's gonna be money that, that you're gonna need to take care of your kids, so just bend the rules a little bit just to be able to get past it so you can earn the money you need to earn. And when the rest of the world says that you have to act a certain way and talk a certain way and believe a certain way. But for you, Christian, I want you to understand there is a line of character that you have to lay out that you don't cross that line. You, you, you ask me to bow. I'm not going to bow. You ask me to turn on God. I'm not going to turn on God. You can take your job and give it to whomever you want to give it to, but I'm not going to compromise my integrity. I'm not going to turn my back on the one who saved my soul. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to do it. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to compromise what God has done in my life to satisfy a couple of knuckleheads in the world. Come on, church. I need your help. I haven't even gotten to the message yet. This is, we're just working our way up to it. So the king says to them, aren't you afraid of me? And they said, hey, no matter what takes place, our God is able to deliver us. From your terrible furnace. Then it says this in Daniel chapter 3 verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O, o Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I love that line. Don't have to defend myself. If, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Now watch. Now we all say he's able to save us, but it, it, he says... He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. The bottom line is that they honestly believed that they were going to be delivered. They believed that to the core of their being. Now, now, if I wanted to be just a name and claim it preacher, that's where I would stop. But the next statement that they make kind of blows that idea away because it says in verse 18, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't. Listen, that's real faith that says, 
you know, I believe and I know God's able. I believe that he's going to do it. But even if he doesn't, does it change one thing? My faith is in the God of the, of the universe. My faith is in the God of Israel. And, and we, you know, we, that even if he doesn't, we, sometimes we don't say that in our prayers. But, you know, maybe because we expect God to do it. Or maybe we're afraid that somehow we're going to just spoil things with our words as if, as if you can mess God up. You know, but we, we see, we, we think God's always there when things go well. And we wonder where he is when things are going badly. What if he doesn't do what you asked when you prayed? What's going to happen to you then? Are you, are you done? Are, are, you, are you one and done? Are you, are you quitting the church? Or all of a sudden you're just not giving in the offering? Because listen, I have known people who walked away from God because he didn't do what they wanted him to do when they wanted him to do it. They didn't have a God. They had a waiter in the sky that they'd ring the bell and say, hey, where's my stuff? And they forget that he is God and they are not. You know, he's not like your Santa Claus up in the sky. Saying, I've been good, so here's my wish list. You have to have the attitude as a Christian that if God deliver, delivers me or God allows me to die, whatever, whatever it is that he does is going to be best for me because I'm in God's hand and he's in charge. So it doesn't matter if I make it or if I don't make it, if I have money or have no money, if I have a house or no house, if I have friends or no friends, I'm, not, I'm going to go ahead and serve God. I'm not going to bow. I'm, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to burn. God is able to deliver me. And they said, if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship your golden statue that you, you've put up. Now, how many of you have been long enough, or excuse me, how many of you have been around long enough to realize that things don't always work out the way we think God should work things out? You ever seen that? You ever experienced that in your life? So, so with this understanding in the background, I want to move to our story again. In verse 19, it says, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Ever seen anybody that mad? And he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. That's an interesting statement right there because the furnace is already, if it's got a fire going, it's already hot enough to burn some stuff, don't you think? So he's so angry that he turns it up seven times uh, hotter and he, and he begins to crank it up higher because I, I can't but help but think that maybe it was a little bit of an intimidation factor. He's trying to get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to back down because now they realize, man, it's not just going to be fire, but this is going to be hotter than anything we've ever experienced before. And let me tell you what I see here. The devil, devil believes that you and I have a selling point and that if he can turn something up hotter in your life, eventually you're going to cave, you're, you're going to give up, you're going to quit. Oh, 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 you can handle this trial? You, you lost your job? Okay, I'll get another job. And then you, you don't get another job. And the devil says, now you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage. You're going to lose your house. Now you begin to say, where is God? Now you lose your car and you're riding a bicycle everywhere you go. What I'm saying is that the devil will turn up the heat and he'll turn up the heat and turn up the heat to find out if you have a sellout point. The devil believes that you and I have a selling point. 
He believes that you have a quitting point. He believes that if he can turn up the trial, turn up the temptation, turn up your, uh, up your problems and the situations in your life, he believes that he can turn you against God. And the fact is he has done that with people, people that are not here today because of something that happened and they walked away from God. So the king turns it up seven times hotter. Now watch this, verse 20. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind. Somebody say bind. bind. He ordered the strongest, some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Listen, all of a sudden, their prayer wasn't answered. They're going into the fire. They're going to the fire. They, they believed that God was not going to let them go into the fire. So they, they bound them. They tied them up. And I want you to notice that because Daniel, when he wrote this book, wanted you to know that they were bound. And I want you to know some of you don't realize that you're still bound. You're bound getting into the fire. Verse 21. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their, in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments, and because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Now, what would you think in that moment? If, I, if I'm watching the soldiers throw me in the fire and they're dying there before they ever get in the fire, you're probably thinking, I'm next. The soldiers died. Verse 23, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied you understand they were bound, they were tied up, and they fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, unbound unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. Listen, I believe many times we pray, God, I'm believing that you'll keep me out of the fire. God, I'm believing you that you will keep me in peace. So let me give you a definition of peace. Peace is not the absence of trials. It's the assurance you feel in the midst of one. See, it's not, it's not that when you're free from trials that you need God's peace. It's when you're in the middle of the fire that you need the peace of God that passes understanding. Listen, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with asking God to let this cup pass. Even Jesus prayed that prayer. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, just keep me out of the fire. I don't want to go in the fire. There's nothing wrong with that prayer to say, I don't want to go through this trial. I don't want to face this temptation. But how many of you know that God hears your prayers and sometimes he still lets you go through the fire? I prayed and I'm still in, and I'm in the fire. I prayed and I'm still in here. And I'm going to say something that may shock some of you in this place. It may be that God wants you in the fire. Maybe the fire is the place where you're going to experience freedom. Here's the thing. This story tells us five things we're going to walk through. We're going to do this quickly. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, number one, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fire bound, but came out of the fire unbound. Yeah. 
They went into the fire bound. Daniel wants us to know that they had lost their freedom. They were not as free as they were. But when the king looked in, he saw four men and they were no longer bound. They were, they were free and they were not in bondage. Now listen to me. God can, may use trials. He may use a furnace to build, to, to build our faith out. He may bring us into trials in our lives so that we will find out how wonderful God is, not in the peaceful times, but how wonderful God is in the times of fire in your life he takes you into the fire sometimes so that you can discover how awesome he really is number two some of you're going to like this one you're you, the fire can only burn what binds you i don't think you heard me i said the fire can only burn what binds you see some of you think the fire is coming to mess you up no the fire is burning what's not good in your life. The fire is taking care of things in your life that you can't get rid of on your own. And you know you can't get rid of it on your own because you've tried getting rid of it on your own and it has not worked. And the fire is taking care of things in your life that you can't get rid of on your own. So God lets you go into the fire, but the fire is not there to hurt you. The fire is there to burn up that thing that has you bound. That's exciting to know when you're walking through those trials. Number three is this. The fourth man in the fire represents the awareness of the presence of God. You know what? Here's the reality. During good times, most of us don't experience God as much as we do during bad times. It's when disasters and trials happen that we sort of wake up spiritually. You know, you go to the hospital, hospital and they say, it looks like we found cancer. All of a sudden we're like, oh God! Oh God of the universe, I'm calling out to you. We want God now in that moment. You know, you didn't go to prayer meeting at all until you got sick. You didn't come to church at all until you were broke and depressed. You didn't move toward God at all until you were in the pig pen and then you realized that only God can change your life and you as the prodigal came home. I mean, so many testimonies are that way. But you know what? That fourth man in the fire reminds us that the presence of God is with us all of the time, even when we're in the fire. Listen, I want you to know I've been through times of sorrow and loss and sickness. Everybody here has. I remember several years ago when I received a phone call and received word that one of my nieces had been diagnosed with kidney cancer. She was, uh, I don't know, was she 10 or 11? 89, eight or nine year old child, kidney cancer. And I remember struggling with that because I believe that God has a purpose and a plan in this life. And I remember struggling with that saying, God, what in the world does an eight year old with cancer have to do with anything? But, but as I struggled with that, I was still praying for her and believing God would touch her miraculously. And I, I struggled as, as, I, as, I, as she went through the pain and sickness of treatment. And I, and I couldn't help, and don't, get, don't judge me, but I couldn't help but get a little upset with God. Listen, I need to tell you that preachers don't get a pass when it comes to trials and fire. I have to, I, I have to go into fiery furnaces sometimes just like you do. I, you know, I wish I could pull up my ordination card and show it and say, uh, I get a pass. But God says, no, 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 you're going in there too. So my niece gets cancer. And on the heels of that, within a month, 
My grandmother passes away. And I'm upset with God. Do you ever get upset with God? Is anybody here? So he says, all right, God's not going to strike you. Some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand. That's an easy target. I was upset with God. I don't get it, God. I don't understand you. I don't even know where you are. I asked you to show up in this room, in this hospital room and heal. Where were you during this time? Well, you know what Hebrews 2, Hebrews chapter 2 talks about why Christ came. And one of the reasons why he came into this world so, was so that when, when I was crying out to God, when I'm sitting there hurt and confused and in pain, that Jesus could sit right next to me and he could say, I know, I know what it feels like I understand what you're going through because I've walked this road myself. Well, in that moment, maybe you've been there. God just sort of just said, just sit on my lap. I'm going to hold you. And he said, I just want you to let it all out. So I sat in his lap and, and I just began to say, I just don't get it. I don't get you. I was like a little kid pounding on his chest and whining about my troubles. Have you ever had a little... One of your children sit on your lap and be angry with you because you wouldn't give them what they wanted? They don't have to be little. That's a good point. Well, you know, eventually what happened, and what happens with those kids, it happened to me that eventually I got tired of all that. And I stopped pounding on his chest for a little while, and he said, okay, now just sit here. Just let me hold you. I know it hurts. He said, I know I see pain every day. He said, you're going to be okay. I don't know if you realize it, but when you feel close to God, it means that you feel embraced by God. That you can feel Him embrace you. The Holy Spirit is a person, not, a, not a, some idea out there. He is a person, and you can feel His embrace in those moments when you need Him the most. That, that, that awareness of His presence, that awareness that He's in the midst of the fire, that awareness that He's close and He's right there beside me, that comforts me. And when you go into, the, into a fire, you have to know that whether you're in the fire or not, He's still right there with you. He's right beside you. He's always beside you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's always, always, always right there by you. You know, I mean, I, I used to even pray. And maybe you pray this way. And if you do, this, you know, it's, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I used to pray in, in the morning and I'd say, Lord, be with me today. And one day he just kind of corrected me. He said, would you stop praying that? And I was like, what do you, why? Why should I stop praying that? He said, I already promised I would be with you every day. And, and so I changed my prayer and I started saying, Lord, help me to be aware that you're with me today. Yeah. Let's move on. Number four. It might be in your darkest hour that you discover his closeness. It could be when everything is dark. Your marriage just fell apart. All of a sudden your job is gone. The money is gone. In the darkest times, in the worst times, when you get the worst news you can imagine on the very worst day of all, that could be the moment when you discover how close he really is to you. I mean, here they are. They're ready to die. They've been thrown into the fiery furnace. But he's right there with them. Here's the last thing. If you let God keep you in the fire, this is so powerful. If you let God keep you in the fire, if you let him do what he's trying to do in your life, 
He will change the minds of those watching from the outside of the fire. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Wait a minute, what did he just say? That's a really interesting statement from this king who just in verse 15 said, what God will be able to do to rescue you from my power. Now all of a sudden, he's, you got King Nebuchadnezzar seeing four men in the fire and they're not being burned up. And now all of a sudden, this king who was saying, what God can, can possibly rescue you from my power? Now he's saying, hey, you servants of the Most High God. He's, he's had a change his heart. His soldiers are burned. They're dead, laying next to the furnace. And then these guys are just walking around, you know, taking a nice little stroll, probably doing a little tap dance or something in the fire, enjoying themselves, probably asking, hey, you got any marshmallows out there? I don't know what they were asking, but they're walking around. And now all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar has a whole different testimony. He has a different story that he's telling here. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Now, I've got to be honest with you. In that moment, if I was Shadrach, I would have said, why don't you come in and get me? <laughs> but I wasn't there. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. They just, they just walked out of the fire. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. No problem. And this self-centered arrogant, stuck-on-himself king is now telling a different story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's problem has now turned into their testimony. Yeah. Yeah. See, if you let God keep you in the fire, he will change the minds of those watching outside of the fire. See, you think your problem, you think your fire is all about you, but it's about other people. It's about showing other people how big your God is. You know, sometimes it might be for you, but sometimes my kids need to see how mom and dad are going to handle the, the, this situation, how mom and dad are going to deal with this catastrophe. They're going to need to hear how we deal with people. You understand? They, they see us go through something, and that's how they learn to go through something. They learn from these things, these things from us, from what's happened in our lives. And maybe this testimony is not so much for you, but it's for the other people in your life because other people look at you and say, they say, if I were you, I would have lost my mind by now. If I were you, I'd probably be in the psych ward by now. If I were you, I would have been on, on some, some sort of pill by now. If I were you, I wouldn't even go to church anymore because your God didn't do anything. If I were you, I would have just given up and you're answer is this you don't feel the closeness of my God and because of his closeness what you're going to find out is that God is able to deliver me out of any furnace out of any fire out of any trial out of any circumstance out of any problem out of anything that I walk through I can come out of the fire you have to realize that's a testimony for those that say you should have lost your mind what why are you smiling? You should be out of it, but you're praising God. I don't get it. You walk through catastrophe, but you keep getting back up again. You walk through problems, but you keep getting back up again. The doctor tells you that you're going to die, but you keep getting back up again. Is anybody here this morning? Yes. So, so now I get to the sermon title. The smell of smoke. 
Daniel 3, remember we read it in the beginning. Verse 27, then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. I want you to hear this. The trial had no power. The trial had no power. That disaster has no power over you. That traumatic experience that came upon you suddenly that tried to turn your joy into sorrow, it had no power to move you away from God. See, the devil wants to move you away from God. He, he hates God. He hates his children. He will do anything he can to move you away from God, to try to create distance, to try to get you to turn your back on him, to move even just an inch away. But it says here that the fire, the trial, the situation, the problem had no power. It could not shift them. It could not cause them to bow. It could not cause them to compromise. It couldn't cause them to move from their, from their stance on God's word. It says not a hair on their heads was, was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. And here's my point. There are too many of us that go into the fire and we come out smelling like we did before we went in. What I'm saying is that some of us, because of things that happened in our childhood, because of things that we've gone through in our lives, you sit here today and you still smell of the same offense. You still smell of the same hurt. You still smell of the unforgiveness and bitterness that came from that offense. Some of you have gone through a bad marriage. Your husband or your wife called you all kinds of things, told you that you were worthless, and, and, and you, you come to church and you love God and you lift your hands during praise and worship, but, but when it comes to that area of your life, you still smell like smoke. You still have that on top of you. All this hurt, this pain, this anger, this bitterness, this unforgiveness, this selfishness, is, it's all smelling like smoke. I'm telling you, Pastor, you just can't trust people in the church. You smell like smoke. I'm never getting into another relationship because every relationship I get into is going to hurt me. You smell like smoke. You understand what I'm saying? Listen to me. If God brought you into the fire, or if he's bringing you into the fire right now, let him burn up the areas in your life that are not of God. So you can come out without the smell of your past in your life. His mercies are new every day. Everything in the new heaven and earth is going to be forgotten. It's done. Your, your past should not ever dictate your future. But so many of us today are living under the weight of our past but you don't understand, Pastor, 40 years ago, I was abandoned by my mama and I was getting up for adoption. You still smell like smoke. Have you forgotten that you've been adopted by God? But I don't have a daddy. My daddy left us a long time ago. No, you have a daddy. His name is Abba Father. You're still walking around smelling like smoke. Don't keep walking around saying, poor me, I'll never be like everybody else. Because listen, I want you, first of all, don't think that everybody in here has perfect lives. 
Don't be, believe for a minute that nobody here is, has, ever, has never walked through some fire in their life. Don't believe that we haven't had disappointments. We have had them just like you. But what happened to some of us is that we went into the fire and we let God do his surgery and we let God break those things off of our life and we came out without the smell of smoke in our lives. It's gone. It's just not there any longer. You know, so many stories come to mind. I, I, I heard about a Young man, he was an NFL prospect, great athlete in college. Experts said he was going to go high in the draft, but he had an anger problem. And his anger problem came from his dad. He had a stepdad that, that used to beat him. and He was a very gifted athlete, but he, was, he just sort of had his, uh, this anger in him, and he just did his own thing, and he could never get past his pain, and he kept that smell of smoke on him. And He was getting ready to go to the NFL, but he broke some team rules, so the coach sat him for the first half of a game, and he didn't like sitting, so he just, in his anger, walked away from the team and quit. He said, I'm done with this. And he threw away his whole NFL career, threw away his whole future. Four or five years later, he came back and said, I blew it. I, 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 I realized I had an issue. I got rid of this anger. I'm okay now. But the problem is that he missed his moment. He missed his time. And some of us, because of hurts, because of issues that we've had in our past, we're missing our moment now. We're missing the opportunities that God has for us because we're all tied up in our past problems and our past hurts. Listen, we're always going to have problems. In this world, you're going to have problems because this is a broken world. But here's the thing. My past is not going to affect my future. Resentments, hurtful words that people said are not going to affect me today. They're not going to change where I'm going tomorrow. What mom and daddy said is not going to affect me today. It's not going to change where I go tomorrow. What I didn't have as a child is not going to affect me today. I'm not going to smell like smoke anymore. I'm not going to let this hurt linger any longer. You know, the, the truth is I see people every week that have potential in them, but because of their past, the devil begins to whisper in their ear and begins to tell them that they are disqualified. Look what you did in the past. Because of what's happened in the past, because of what you did or what was done to you, then you can never be used by God. You're disqualified. And the devil whispers to them and says, you're never going to be anything. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going anywhere. You're just going to be this the rest of your life. I want you to know that's a lie. That's the smell of smoke. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day of liberation. Today is the day where your past issues and disasters and pain and suffering stop defining who you are and who you will be and what you will do with your life. Today is the day your past stops defining your future. God says, I've come to set you free and to give you an abundant life. He says, I want to give you a life that's different from the one you're living right now. How many are ready for a new life? Anybody here ready for a new life? Stand to your feet in this place. You know, even the New Testament tells us in 1 Peter, 
L listen to this. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Are, are, are you going to trust him when things are, 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 when he brings you through something? Are you going to only trust him when it's sunny? And, or are you going to trust him when it's raining in your life? He said, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as what? As fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Listen, fire burns the impurities out of gold and makes it pure. And he says here that the fire of our trials does the same thing in us. It does the same thing in us if we approach it with the right attitude. Because, see, we can short-circuit God's work. You know, there's a reason why the children of Israel had to walk around the wilderness for 40 extra years. Because they didn't learn what God was trying to teach them on the first journey. Let the fire of God burn the things that you have you bound. Let it burn the impurities out of your life. Let, let it burn the different areas that don't belong to God. Well, this is just how I was raised. This is what I learned. But it's not the character of Christ, so don't own it anymore. We're trying to live the way of Jesus and the way that he says to live, not to mimic the problems that we've had in our family in the past. So, so living without the smell of smoke means, first of all, listen, it means that you stop beating yourself up over your past mistakes. Living without the smell of smoke means that you let go of past hurts and offenses. And I know that's really hard because we're afraid that if we forgive, if we let go of that, that somehow they're getting away with it. Nobody's going to get away with anything. Either they'll answer for their sin or they'll re receive the, the, the Christ's forgiveness because he paid for their sin. One of the two, but it's not going to affect you at all. Don't allow them to control your thoughts and emotions anymore. You're not going to carry it any longer. Today is your day of freedom. If you'll let the Lord do his work. Bow your head together with me. Let, let me tell you what we're going to do while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And then after you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to step out and walk into this fire down here at the altar. And God, this morning, God is going to burn up those things that, you, that have you bound going to begin to burn up those memories, going to burn up that past pain. You know what? I, I think so many of you are so ready for this day. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're some dirty, rotten sinner. I mean, you can be spirit-filled and raise your hands and worship and still have things from which you need to be set free. If that's you today and you say, you're saying, Jesus, today I'm ready to go with you because I know I, I will be there. I, I want you to burn up these things that bind me. I want to be free from the problems and the hurts and the situations of the past. I want to walk into the fire and let the fire burn those things which bind me so that I can finally walk in some freedom. And if that's you in this place and you're saying, Lord, I realize that the fire that you have is not there to hurt me, but you're there to heal me. So all over this building, you say, 
Pastor, I need this prayer. I need to walk into the fire of God and find freedom. If that's you in this place, I want you to lift your hand up all over this place, right where you are. And now listen, you're saying, I need to go into the furnace. I need him to burn something out of my life. All your hands, you just keep them raised up right where where you are. And as you're lifting your hands, right now, without any fanfare, without anything else, I want you to step out from where you are, and I want you to come to this altar quickly, without hesitation. I want you to come.